you are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Well, we have reached the end of the road for the 2022 season for the Atlanta Braves. That means we have reached the end of the road here for the Locked On Sports Atlanta Braves postcast. I'm Grant McCauley. He's Jake Mastriani. It was not the chapter that the Braves wanted to end this thing on, but as October goes, you know, you got to win the series to advance, and the Philadelphia Phillies, they brought it all, and they are advancing after three games to one over the Braves in this NLDS and their 8-3 victory in Game 4. We're going to talk all about that. As always, I want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta here on YouTube, and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Jake, we knew that this was what the Braves were up against. Elimination games are a tricky business. You don't want to be in that situation, and Atlanta didn't get into that situation a year ago, but they found themselves with their backs to the wall on the Philadelphia Phillies. They simply did not stop their assault on Braves pitching, and it netted them an 8-3 victory and a ticket to the NLCS. Braves fans should know more than anyone that it's all about who's playing good at the right time is exactly what we saw from the Braves Last year, unfortunately, this time around, the Braves not playing their best ball here, and the Phillies are on fire, and the Braves absolutely saw that in the series. Yeah, the Braves were on the wrong end of things uh, time and time again. There are a litany of reasons why the Braves lost this. You can't put it on one player or one play, no matter how upset you are in the moment. It was an overall series victory for the Phillies in just about every possible facet and, and just about every possible layer of, of playing baseball and trying to compete against another team. The Phillies simply outplayed the Braves. They outpitched them, they outhit them, and thus they're heading to the NLCS. Uh, so game four, as the Phillies were hosting the Braves and win it three games to one, 8-3 victory. Braves just four hits on the day, three of those solo home runs, and the three runs thus came from that. Atlanta left just one man on base. They did not have a runner in scoring position in this game. Phillies, eight runs on 13 hits, no errors. Nine men left the board. Brad Hand, the winner. Charlie Morton, the loser. Let's talk a little bit about Charlie Morton because I know that we've looked at him as the guy that has the postseason pedigree, and if you had to throw somebody in an elimination game, it made all the sense in the world for it to be Charlie Morton. And after his Houdini act in the first inning, he got struck by a liner in the second inning and then ran into some trouble in the person of Brandon Marsh who hit a three-run homer that put the Phillies ahead in this game. Just not the performance the Braves nor Charlie Morton had in mind. And when he went out to warm up in the third, uh, Brian Snicker went ahead and pulled the plug and, I can't say that I really blame him at that point because, you know, hindsight being what it is, you're trying to keep the game manageable. And if you're worried about what Charlie has to offer and you're already down three to nothing, it's it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And going back up against the, the top of the lineup, I mean, you're right. Snicker, you know, couldn't mess around. If Charlie was off at all, you had to go to that bullpen and see if you could keep that score right where it was. Um, but unfortunate for Charlie Morton. Look, I don't know what the linebacker, you know, the comebacker, effect had on him but for two years in a row you know his last start to be ended you know on a com comebacker I uh, really hate it for Charlie Morton but the one thing we were really worried about coming into this was the home run ball which has really yep. bitten him this year and kind of similar situation to the start at bat the night before you felt like you know Marsh wasn't getting to that sinker wasn't getting that high fastball and then you throw an off-speed pitch mm -hmm. kind of speeds his bat up and he gets good wood on it and drives it out for a three-run homer, another big three-run homer, and when you hit it, it just kind of felt like whatever whatever life the Braves had, not that it was over by any means at that point, but it just felt like that was a huge blow, and it was going to take a lot for the Braves to punch back and get in it. 
Yeah, and definitely to use that, uh, the, you know, you want to have a puncher's chance in the game, but it felt like the Braves were against the ropes in this series because, you know, the, the Mets came out, they beat Max, excuse me, the Mets, the Phillies mm-hmm. came out and they beat up. That's a Freudian slip. The Mets didn't beat anybody today. And, <laughs> and we're going to leave that alone because the Braves didn't beat anybody today either. But, you know, the Phillies came out and they really punched the Braves right in the mouth by beating Max Fried and taking game one of the series. And it really set the tone, I felt like. But mm-hmm. as far as game four is concerned, you know, and, and overall in this series as well, the, the Braves hit a handful of home runs on this day. But the difference between what the Braves were doing and what the Phillies were doing is the Phillies were hitting their home runs and getting their base hits with runners on base. And that, I think, was a big you know, area to circle for the Braves as far as you know, not being able to get those hits. In their three losses in this series, the Braves were just three for 18 with runners in scoring position. And as I mentioned, uh, those were in the losses in game one and game three because they had no runners in scoring position in the finale. And that's just, you know, Jake, I've, I've gone through a lot of crazy stats and seen a lot of, you know, oddball, quirky things that pop out of these series. But zero runners in scoring position in the final game of the season is not usually one that you see unless your team is being shut out. That wasn't the case. But the Braves weren't getting hits in bunches. They certainly weren't getting, you know, the big hits with runners on base. And that is one of the many reasons I feel like they're heading home and the Phillies are heading on to the NLCS. Look, the offense was very cold in this series. I know they scored six runs in that first game, and then they got three in the win against Wheeler. But for the most part, this offense was really struggling, and pretty much everybody outside of Acuna and Olsen and Darno, you know, were really just cold in this series. And it's hard to win games when you can't get those big hits with runners in scoring position or when you don't get any opportunities right. with runners in scoring position. So uh, just an unfortunate you know, series for that regard because the Braves had one of the best offenses all year. I believe their lineup was one of the deepest in baseball. It's just baseball is a brutal sport. And you kind of heard Dansby allude to it after the game. You know, you play 162, you fight so hard, and then you get to the postseason. And if you don't have it that week, then you get eliminated. And that's what happened with the Braves here. They just didn't have it offensively or on the pitching side. Yeah, and when you don't have either one of those two things going, clearly, I mean, you don't just have one foot in the grave. You got both feet, you know, firmly in that grave, and they are shoveling dirt fast and furious. And that felt kind of like what the Braves were up against. At the very least, it was an uphill climb. I mean, as you look at the first two games in Atlanta, you mentioned they scored six runs in that opener, lost at seven to six, win the second game three to nothing. So, you know, it felt kind of even nine to seven. The Braves had outscored the Phillies. That all changed once it got to Citizens Bank Park. The Braves were outscored 17 to four in those two games. And if you look at what Braves starters did outside of Kyle Wright in the win in game two, the three losses in the series from the Braves starting rotation, this is combined seven and two thirds innings, 12 earned runs in this one. And of course, Max Fried was charged with a couple of unearned runs in that game or a couple weren't charged to the earned side of the tally, but his own error kind of left the door open for that. So you really start to look at the totality of what the Braves got from their starting rotation. It simply was not enough. I know Spencer Strider was coming off of injury. I know Max Fried wasn't feeling well, and clearly we saw what happened to Charlie Morton. And you know whether it was the line drive and and on all the other things that kind of went with you know having a very short leash, given what the Braves had just learned as far as needing a shorter leash, perhaps in Game Three when Spencer Strider was running into trouble in the third inning. Brian Snitker didn't want to take that chance again. He didn't, and I feel like the bullpen did the best it could with what it was given, but. The Atlanta bullpen was really just not a factor in this, save the one game that they won in game two in Atlanta. Yeah, look, I tweeted this out after the fact. You know, as bad as the offense was, and they were, you know, brutal, when you're starting pitching and those three guys give up a combined 14 runs and only go seven and two-thirds innings, it's going to be hard to win any series. And if you would have have told me that coming in, I would have thought you were crazy because, like, I saw so many people – you know, telling me that the Alex needs to go out and rebuild this rotation. Look, I feel confident 
with Freed, Strider, Wright, Morton. I would I would take that just about any time. Unfortunately, circumstance being what it was that you mentioned, Freed possibly not feeling his best. Strider obviously coming back off injury and not built up. It just, you know, it was a unfortunate situation mm-hmm. that the Braves were in, but I would take that rotation most of the time. It's why I thought the Braves would win this series, even after losing the first one, because I thought they had the starting pitching to get back in it and come back. But credit to Phillies. I mean, they went out and got it done. They attacked those pitchers. I mean, again, I go back to Max Freed line. I felt good enough to go out there to throw the ball, and I didn't execute. And, you know, with all the excuses out there, bottom line is starting pitchers did not execute other than Kyle Wright in this series. Yeah, that's the absolute truth. And, it, you know, as you look at this from a 30,000-foot view, I guess, and, and a lot of this is obviously as we sit here kind of doing the autopsy of a season and what went wrong at the end. But, you know, if you tell me that the Braves are going to score six runs on a day, Max Freed pitches, I feel pretty good about winning that game. That did not happen in game one. Kyle Wright went out there. He did his thing. The Braves bullpen helped them out. They got the timely hits they needed. They picked up the win in game two. Then you tell me, hey, Spencer Strider's back. He's going to be on the mound. And he's going to be hitting 101 miles an hour as he starts against the Phillies and, you know, is, is striking guys out in the first couple of frames. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Obviously, the third inning, that changed a lot. We talked about that last night. You can find the show in the archives. We just don't want to dig up those bones right now. In the fourth game, you tell me I got Charlie Morton, one of the best elimination game pitchers in the history of baseball throwing. I'm thinking I'm going to get more than two innings out of him, but it just did not work out for the Braves. And all of that pitching aside, and, and none of that is good, obviously, from the starting rotation. And I don't think you'll find a man outside of Kyle Wright that would say otherwise about their individual performance. The Braves offense did not show up in this series. The Phillies offense did. They got the home runs. They got the timely hits. They got the key hits. They got the BABIP gods working for them. But there was nothing lucky about what they were doing. There was nothing that just, you know, it was just nothing but good fortune. They worked great at bats. They took their walks when they needed to. And they took advantage of the mistakes that the Braves made in the field. And I feel like that is not just one of, but it's just, it's, it kind of encapsulates what the Phillies were able to do and what the Braves weren't able to do in the big picture. On all cylinders and in all phases, the Philadelphia Phillies, they got the starts that they needed, you know, skin of their teeth for Ranger Suarez in game one. Zach Wheeler looked pretty good in game two. Game three worked out for him uh, with Aaron Nola, and then they just pieced it together in game four. So it's not like the Braves didn't have their opportunities. They just were not able to find the hits that they needed. And if you don't score, it's going to be hard to beat a team in any sport. I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't score, you don't pitch, you're not going to win. I mean, bottom line, Phillies outplayed the Braves in this series. They deserve to advance and go on. They were the better team in this series. There's no doubt about it. But, yeah, that offense just couldn't really get it going, and the at-bats just didn't look like competitive at-bats. I mean, again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but after that Mets series, really, it just seemed like this team turned a switch off or something because even in that Miami series, I mean, it took everything they could to get one win out of that to clinch the division. So, and then you got the five day layoff and then you come in here and the bats are just cold. I mean, again, I'm not trying to make excuses. That's just what, that's what it was. The bats just were not there. The at bats just did not seem crisp other than, you know, really Matt Olson. I know Acuna got his hits. Darno did as well, but Matt Olson was the only one I saw who really just consistently had good at bats throughout the entire series. So, Really hard, as you said, to win games when you can't score, but especially when you're playing from behind pretty much every game, and especially in an atmosphere like that in Philadelphia where those fans were really hungry for that. That's why I say, you know, if they were going to win game four, you had to come out and punch first. That didn't happen. The Braves got took a real big punch from Brandon Marsh and just were never able to really recover. 
Yeah, I mean, that got the Phillies started. But, look, they added on. JT Romuto hit that inside-the-park home run. I know there's a lot of consternation online about that. I feel like it's a completely unnecessary debate to have at this point. It doesn't matter. I don't think it was going to stop uh, JT Romuto from booking it around and scoring. But the Phillies didn't stop scoring there. They added four more. You know, they just continue to do what good teams do and what they have to do in October, and that is find a way to put as many runs on the board and push your opponent, keep your opponent down as long as you can until that 27th out is made. And the Phillies, they were the ones that were able to do that, and thus they are the ones who are going to be moving on. So this is not going to be a postcast full of excuses. Of, oh, well, the Braves just, you know, this didn't work out for them. The home plate umpire was bad. The timing of the games was bad. Yeah, there's some stuff you can debate about, Not some of those things not being ideal, but the Braves didn't lose this series based on one call or non-call. They didn't lose it based on one play or not play. They didn't lose it because of one player. This was a combined effort of all the men on the roster just not being able to match up and be better than the Phillies in this one particular series. Play it again next week, a week from now, a month from now. Who knows what it would look like, but the Philadelphia Phillies came to play in this series. They won three out of the four, and now they're going to head on and try to continue their magical postseason run, which, Jake, it just feels so similar because last year the Braves took advantage of the National League East when the Mets fell apart. The Phillies take advantage of the National League wild card this year as the Milwaukee Brewers fell apart. Braves 88 wins a year ago. Phillies 87 wins this year. They've already dispatched the St. Louis Cardinals, who I thought were a very good team. They obviously beat the 101-win Braves, and now they could be heading to an NLCS, which we're going to see how that all plays out because the San Diego Padres have proven to be quite the pesky opponent for the 111-win Los Angeles Dodgers. So as you pointed out much earlier in this show, I mean, you just want to get to October and have that chance, and anything can happen if you get hot. And the Phillies, I think, are living proof of that. And, again, it's one of the many reasons why they're heading on to that next round. Well, I mean, we talked about it before the series started. National League, I thought, was very deep. It would not have surprised me at all if any of the six teams that made the postseason reached the World Series. And I was concerned about this Phillies team coming in here, and I had my doubts if the Braves – could hold up, especially if they lost game one, just because of the the pitching the Phillies have. I think they're a very similarly built team to the Braves. They just out-Braves the Braves in this series. They had the timely hits. They had the power. They had the starting pitching. They just – yeah, and they just – they did everything that the Braves did all regular season. They did it in this series and did it much better than the, than the Atlanta Braves. Well, that was what happened on this Saturday game for the National League Division Series going to the Philadelphia Phillies, who are celebrating with champagne after a, over a decade wait to be doing that. I know their fans are ecstatic about that. I know this Phillies team is ecstatic about that. And look, they got a good ball club. We'll see what happens in the next round. And as we've learned in October, just from the Braves experience last year and from historical precedent, and again in this series, just a reminder, anything can happen if you get hot in October. It's the right month to do it. Meanwhile, head on over to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check on all your betting needs because you can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Reviews and news of every league, MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Head to betonline.net today and use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening at BetOnline. It's where the game starts. A couple of things as we uh, kind of wrap up here on what is going to be a little bit lengthier version of the Braves postcast because this is the, the postmortem for the 2022 season. And there are a couple of things I do want to get to uh, before we start talking about what's next for the Braves, which I did actually write it down. It will be spring training 2023. That's February the 25th. If you're wanting to set that countdown now, Braves and Red Sox will meet in Northport, Florida uh, to open the Grapefruit League slate for those two clubs. But, you know, to put a bow on this season, Jake, and to just to 
really underscore how difficult it is. The, the Atlanta Braves in 2021 did something very special. In 2022, they had the makings of a special team, and they had to work awfully hard to win the National League East again, and I think that race was a lot of fun. But clearly this postseason run is ending a lot sooner than anybody expected it to or wanted it to on the Braves' side of things. The last National League team that was able to win back-to-back World Series remains the big red machine of the Cincinnati Reds in 1975 and 1976. I went back a little bit further to see how many National League teams, Jake, have won back-to-back World Series in the history of the Fall Classic. Do you have any idea how many teams I found? I'm going to say three. You did find three, or I found three, and you might have found the answer on Twitter earlier today. But you had to go back to 1921 and 22, where the New York Giants won it back-to-back. Prior to that, it was the 1907 and 1908 Cubs. The Yankees have owned the Fall Classic. That's really not a surprise to anyone that's uh, been watching baseball for any length of time. St. Louis Cardinals obviously have won a lot of World Series themselves, but to win back-to-back in the National League just doesn't happen too often. Braves had a chance to do it back in the mid-'90s, but those are some other bones that we'll leave for some other time. Uh, suffice it to say, as we wrap this thing up and, and talk about what the season was and, 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 of course, what it wasn't, you know, we know things are going to change as they do each and every winter, and there is the chance that in this game it was the last for Dansby Swanson in a Braves uniform. He was very emotional after the game and trying to kind of sum up his thoughts. Clearly the disappointment was there for all of those guys. I mean, it was tough to listen to, you know, for Dansby. And I heard from Austin Riley as well, who just, you know, those guys, they they took it personally. They realized whose shoulders it was on not winning this, this series and not being able to perform in some of these games. But if this is, in fact, you know, a, another big change for the Braves, I mean, I think as you look at what Dansby Swanson has brought to this club, when that trade was made seven years ago, I think Atlanta has benefited greatly from having him as their starting shortstop over the last, what, six, seven years. Yeah, look, Freddie Freeman was the centerpiece of this Atlanta Braves team for a long time. Dansby was that guy that kind of signified a new era of Braves baseball that has really started now. I mean, he he was that big trade, the first overall draft pick coming in. Obviously, you know, wasn't you know, a great start for him in his career with Atlanta necessarily, at least on the offensive side, but still he's been a leader. You know, Charlie Morton referred to him as, you know, the leader of this team. Uh, I mean, that, that is who he has become. So it's going to be another, you know, off season. The point I was trying to get to another off season, like what we had with Freddie Freeman last year, where this is a big piece of not only this team, but this organization and what they've built and what they've come through. And, it's going to be, you know, another tough, tough negotiation for Alex Anthopoulos and what he decides to do. Because, in my opinion, I value the shortstop position very highly, especially, you know, defensively. I think you need to have a leader and obviously somebody there that can hold it down on the defensive side. If you're going to have a championship caliber team, I don't think you can go into another season without having a proven shortstop there. And obviously, you know yeah. what you have in Dansby Swanson. So, Look, it's going to be tough. I think he wants to come back, just like I think Freddie Freeman wanted to come back, but it's all going to come down to those negotiations, the dollars, and we know Alex Anthopoulos is not going to go over what he deems appropriate. So it's going to be interesting to watch this offseason, but needless to say, Braves got to find somebody at shortstop. If it's not Dansby, I'm sure Alex will have another move up his sleeve to pivot to, just like he did with Matt Olson, who I want to reiterate was the best player for the Braves in this postseason and really down the stretch. Yeah, crazy to see that. That last couple of weeks, Matt Olson really showed up when they needed him to. Unfortunately, the rest of the offense kind of uh, had the lights turned out on them early. But if the lights are, in fact, dimming a little bit on Dansby Swanson's time in Atlanta, 
I do feel like he shared a multitude of moments, and there'll always be that highlight where maybe appropriately so, last out of the 2021 World Series from Swanson to Freeman. You know, that really felt like that was a connection that was a big part of what the Braves have done over the past five years. But before we wax poetic too much about the people who may not be here or the players that you know could be moving on or what moves could be made this winter, let's just point out the Braves still have a great young team, a great young core that is locked together. It's no fun to talk about this stuff after a bitter loss. Sometimes you just need a little bit more time in order to maybe wrap your head around, uh, well, what has actually happened and just accepting that the sun will come up tomorrow and there will be uh, hopefully another major league baseball season, barring something catastrophic in which the Braves will have a chance to go out and take that good team and make it better over the winter and come back with the dream that all 30 teams, or at least 24 of them have when they come to spring training each year to win the world series. So uh, all that and all jokes aside, it's been a lot of fun uh, this, this year, Jake, to do this postcast with you. And I think that uh, all the folks that have supported us and, and commented on the videos and subscribed and, you know, giving us all those likes and retweets and all of those things. Uh, I'd be remiss not to say thank you for all of that because it's been fun building this up. And I really look forward to building a lot more of this as we move forward into 2023 and beyond. Yeah, it's been a really fun ride. I kind of said this uh, when I did the live uh, show after the game. It's, you know, the support we've gotten this year has obviously been incredible. It's been an incredible journey. And, you know, for me, a baseball season, it's all about the journey. It's the ups and downs. And it's being able to go through that with the fans, you know, to do this on basically a nightly basis to talk about Braves baseball, the team we love, a sport yeah. I love. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I appreciate everybody who's turned in to watch a video, whether you once you did it, whether you did it once or you were with us all year long. Really do appreciate all the support. Yeah, we really do. Jake, thanks so much for everything you've done this year. I've had a blast doing this with you. And thank you so much for all of you out there who have subscribed to Locked On Sports Atlanta here on YouTube. I encourage you to do that if this is the first video you're seeing. And we have had some higher highs this year, but this is, in fact, where the story ends for the 2022 Braves, but not where the story ends for Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Also, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcasts. I'm sure Jake and I will be teaming up at some point to talk about this team and all the things that they could do over the course of the winter, and that could be an awful lot of fun. Jake, thanks again to you. Yeah, thank you, Grant. All right, well, we look forward to catching up with all of you sometime soon, a date to be determined, but the next date on the calendar for the Braves, once they get through that hot stove and all of the things that winter has to offer, is February 25th, the Grapefruit League opener against the Boston Red Sox. For Jake Mastriani, I'm Grant McCauley. Once again, thank you so much for your support all season long, and until then, we will talk to you soon. So long. Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 